Search continues tonight for 16-year-old Kennedy High. She was last seen on March 8th at Western High School. Her mother last spoke to her when she was en route to school and hasn't heard from her since. ABC2 News' Nadia Singh is live at police headquarters with the latest on this investigation. Hey, Nadia. Hey, Skylar, police are asking for the public's help to find Kennedy High tonight. Just a couple of hours ago, they held a press conference with her mother, who's also pleading for her daughter's safe return. Here is a picture of Kennedy High. This picture has been distributed to authorities nationwide. It's also been entered into the National Missing Persons Database, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children, also involved in this case. Police searched the area near her school, but turned up nothing. There's no immediate indication of foul play or that this was an abduction. But police are exploring the sex trafficking angle, which is normal in these kinds of cases. They say her age is a target demographic for that. But at this point, there is no indication of that scenario. Her mother says high is autistic, but she's high functioning and is worried because this kind of behavior is just out of character for Kennedy. She's unsure how or when her daughter left school on March 8th. Right now, she's relying on the public to bring her home. I just wanted to reiterate what uh, Chief Smith said in regards to Kennedy having autism. Um, she does not have this sense of discernment like you and I, and I don't think she believes that she's in danger, but she really is. So whoever has her, I kindly ask that you please, please bring her back home. Do you ever wonder where all your money went, like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance, an emergency repair, or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. 
We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. They wanted to hear from the Spartanburg Public Safety Department that there that this was an active investigation. They were looking for a missing person before they kind of went full court press on, on their coverage. So while they told me that they certainly they received my press release, um, but we really just need that to come from from the safety uh, public safety department. So I was insistent. I said, I really, in or, you know, in order for me to get her on the news here, this is something that I really need you to do. I'm telling you, my niece would not go this many number of days without responding to my phone call, would not, you know, ignore her mother. There is something wrong. We don't know where her vehicle is. There's clearly something wrong here. Hey everyone, and welcome to Real Crime Profile. I'm Laura Richards, criminal behavioral analyst, former New Scotland Yard and founder of Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service and host of the podcast Crime Analyst. And with me today is... Hi, it's Jim Clemente, former FBI profiler, writer, producer on CBS Criminal Minds, former New York City prosecutor and host of Best Case, Worst Case podcast. And with you today is Lisa Zambetti. I uh, was the casting director for Criminal Minds, and I have an interest in real crime and these minds that solve these crimes. And we're jumping back into talking about the cases in the extraordinary HBO Max documentary, Black and Missing. That's right. And we are now up to the case of Kennedy High. And this is a young girl who was 16 years old, but she was a special needs girl. And unfortunately in her state 16 is the age of consent but unfortunately i don't think that age of consent actually takes into account that some 16 year olds especially ones with special needs like kennedy who was autistic they should be protected to a higher degree and unfortunately i think that because the state had that age of consent that she kind of fell through the cracks. And when she was convinced to go away with an 18 year old, an adult, she was just assumed to be okay by the law. And that is a major failing because she was manipulated. And this is not the kind of situation where the law should turn a blind eye to this. Law enforcement should take into account the fact that a victim is not necessarily as unvulnerable as as the law might just assume all 16-year-olds are. She was very vulnerable. But fortunately, her mother wouldn't give up. Yes, I think this is a very interesting case because it raises a lot of issues around manipulation and coercion in particular, when we know that she had autism. So we know that she's not making decisions in the same way that a teenager would. But actually, teenagers, as Jim and I both know, teenage years, it's a red flag in a way when you are isolated and when you're trying to find your wings and when you're trying to experiment and you want to be independent and maybe 
You start to talk to people who offer you gifts and alcohol and start to groom you. And you want to be seen as being older than what you are. These are all things that manipulators understand. And therefore, red flags were present, you know, and for me, they were present. And so listening to, and I can't remember the name of, of the police officer who was saying, well, this case didn't ring any alarm bells. I mean, for me, it was ringing all alarm bells. And then fortunately on the documentary, you see Chief TJ Smith, a black police officer in Baltimore, who immediately saw the red flags and he called a press conference. And what a hero. You know, he's the kind of officer that we want to see more of where he made a clear statement and said, not on my watch will this happen. And I was just cheering because we want to see more people doing their damn job like he did. And I think that he really did save the day with this case. And it could have had a very different outcome. So impressive how her community did come together and the media helped, certainly him doing that press conference helped. But then it came down to an Uber driver who, because he saw the media coverage, because he saw the flyers, remembered her. And so piece by piece, it was a collaboration and that's the way it should be. Absolutely. You, you couldn't be more right, Lisa. It has to be the entire community. I mean, that's the whole purpose be- behind Amber Alerts and Silver Alerts. Law enforcement needs the community to be involved. And when the media gets involved, more members of the community know about the issue. And they can also put pressure on law enforcement. And I think that's one of the big lessons that we've learned in this series, that as much as the media is responsible for getting the word out when they don't do their job or when they do it inequitably, it ends up hurting people, vulnerable people like Kennedy High. And the Uber driver was amazing going on the website and matching her picture and then calling it in. So this is really the template of advocacy and the Black and Missing Foundation that you get the word out. And with social media now, everyone can get the word out. So I think it's really just demonstrates the importance of everyone can play their part and ensuring that people's, when there is a missing person case, uh, there's a flyer that goes out and there's a picture of the person. And that Uber driver, well, he wasn't named or she wasn't named. I'm saying, you know, I don't know whether it was a he or a she, but just under a week had passed and she was found. Mm. And again, everyone heralds that as a success. But of course, we know that she suffered some form of trauma within that time. And her mum said, you know, she's been much quieter and withdrawn and subdued. So obviously, there's no going back. You can't be the person you once were. And I think That is a really important point to make, that although someone does return safely, it doesn't mean to say that they are then okay. And she fortunately now is in therapy, and I hope she's getting great trauma-informed therapy. And we know that you can grow massively. Post-traumatic growth can happen and does happen to many people. So it needn't be a terrible ending in the sense of psychological and emotional well-being, But, you know, people initially are very elated when someone returns. But of course, we don't always know truly what they experienced. And I do think this case raised a very interesting set of questions about coercion and the grey area, as you mentioned, of the law, Jim. But law always comes down to, as you know, as a former prosecutor, it comes down to someone's interpretation of Mm. the law. 
And it sounds to me like they really need to look at their legislation because there, there is a gap and a gray area there. And when we're talking about minors and when we're talking about predatory men who exploit that, uh, this to me would be a clear case of, and I'll say it, of coercive control. And that should be looked at specifically in that state, uh, along with nationally across the US, just like yeah. is happening right now in Australia. That's true. The other thing that Kennedy's mother said is that she herself, even though Kennedy has returned, she herself is in a deep depression after this. And she's under stress just thinking that her daughter could disappear again. And that's something I never really thought about, that even after your child has returned to you, you're so traumatized from that. And did we did we mention that Kennedy was found with three or four individuals who were using her for sex? I don't know if we mentioned that. I think we mentioned the 118-year-old. I mean, what she went through and what she's been able to talk about, it must be just horrible. And I'm sure her mother is just, it just probably just gives her such pain, you know, every single day. Well, therein lies the problem that a lot of young girls don't realize when they're being used or passed around for sex, that that is not okay. So even when young girls are discovered, they don't necessarily know that that's abuse and that's not okay. Hey, because so many, particularly from care homes or foster homes, they just think that that's just the way of the world. That's what happens. You get a mobile phone in exchange for sex. You know, that happens all across the world. Um, there's a program called Three Girls, which is about Rochdale and what happened there, where boys and men were grooming young girls from care homes, vulnerable girls, the girls that no one really care about because there's no one chasing police to say so-and-so is missing or asking the right questions. So fortunately, in Kennedy's case, mom and others were there to keep asking questions. But when someone doesn't have that network, family and friends around them, then we know they can just disappear or they can be groomed and they can be used and they can be disappeared. And we know that humans are, and I really hate this phrase, but renewable resources they can be sold over and over and over again, you know, and it's a horrible thing, but human trafficking is all about trading human beings and making yeah. money from it. So it happens everywhere. It's not just in, in one community and it's all across the globe. It's terrible. And I think we should just, last thing is we should give a shout out to the Michael Bayesden show because he actually profiled this case and got information out to the public and, that's a very laudable thing. And I just hope that he and others continue to do this on a, on a, on a larger scale so that we have a little more equity in terms of the coverage, the media coverage that all victims get. Absolutely. I mean, it's the case where Whoopi Goldberg took it on and talked about cases on The View. It just shows we need celebrities and we need people to care. We need people to put it on their websites because you never know that Uber driver or whoever might be watching might be looking, you know, in their lunch break, scrolling through their phone on social media. And you could solve a case that way. So absolutely. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator 
makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In the docu-series, we next hear about Pam Butler, and Pam is the sister of Derek, who we hear from throughout the docu-series, who we've all said is an amazing person, quiet storm, who I think the description was, I think Soledad said, uh, a stone in the shoe. Mm. And I quite like that, (laughs) you know, a stone in the shoe. I have to say, as an advocate, I've been called a dog, a dog with a bone. Isn't it interesting that women get described in that way? But I liked the sense of being a stone in the shoe, that you just can't quite get rid of that stone that keeps reminding you. And so Pam, what we knew about her was that she went missing in 2009. It was actually Valentine's Day. She didn't show up. And she was meant to have dinner with Derek and mum, Thelma. So we know straight away they're a close family, right? That they're meeting for Valentine's Day and they're going to have dinner together. And then what transpires is the fact that she was last seen getting her mail from the house. She's seen in the house, but never seen leaving the house. And she had a boyfriend that she split up with. And he's seen in the house. He's seen pacing around the house on camera. And then he's seen with cleaning products in the house. And he was coming and going from the house, but she never left the house. And when they searched the house, she was not there. What's crazy about that, Laura and Lisa, is that I believe this was a connected house. In other words, one side of the house was at the end of a block of houses in a row. And so one side of the house was attached to another building. So the front, the back, and the, as you faced it, the right side were open. And so if the cameras were on the front and the back and you could see all the activity that occurred in the front and the back and she never left either the front or back, then you meticulously scrutinize every window on the other side, because that's the only other way she could have been taken out of the house or exited on her own free will. And so that should have become the immediate focus. Instead, they just sort of take his word for it that, oh, I have no idea where she is. I don't know what happened. Yeah, and I think the point, you meticulously search where the person was last seen. Yeah, We call that clear the ground from under your feet. And what we learn is that there were cameras up, but there was, as you described, Jim, there was no camera on one side of the house, and that's where they found a piece of bin bag. And that piece of bin bag then became significant. So I, I also think that what was interesting in, in the conversation was that the discussion about Jennifer Donnellan, who was Seven News, who did interview him. She took an interest in the case because Derek kept pushing. He wanted to get media attention. 
And she did an interview with Jose Rodriguez Cruz. He didn't want his face on camera. Well, straight away, that's interesting. Okay, lots of people don't want to be on camera, but that inner disappearance, when you're the person to last see your ex-girlfriend alive and you don't want your face on camera, and he said he didn't know anything about it, but that they would never find Pam again. Yeah, what? Huge red flag. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds like an admission to me. But be that as it may, yeah, he doesn't want his face on camera, but he's also absolutely not towing the line that he's trying to sell. He's trying to say that, hey, I'm 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 interested in helping solve this case, but then he's literally not doing anything and he's certainly not trying to um help find her. So the interesting parts of this case that sort of are glaring red flags are the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, Laura, that it was a closeness family and they didn't hear anything from her. And she had an appointment on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Isn't Valentine's Day significant? I to do you think both? so. Yeah, sure. I mean, in any murder investigation, the first person you look at is a love interest, right? And particularly on Valentine's Day, when things can come to a head. And it seems like that is exactly what happened here. And basically, Jose was trying to force his way back into this relationship. And when that was rejected, he killed her. Yeah, particularly when there's separation, when there's the relationship breaks down, one doesn't want to be in it, and there's rejection, the R word. And the fact that he is seen in her house pacing around oddly and that he's cleaning her house. Why would he be cleaning her house? You know, these are all things that absolutely red flags that you would want to ask more questions about. So I can understand how frustrating it must have been for Derek and and Thelma. They probably didn't know all these pieces together, but for law enforcement, it's really important people understand in the US, four to five women are murdered every day by a male partner or former partner, four to five women. You know, that's really important to understand. And there's an FBI stat that 34% of women and girls who are reported missing in 2020 in America were black, yet they make up roughly 15% of the population. So we know it's disproportionate. And there's a statistic that 99% of people who go missing are found within day one or day two. So once you start to layer the macro, the statistics in there, and once you understand domestic abuse and coercive control, actually this case had red flag upon red flag upon red flag. Really concerning. Lisa, did you want to weigh in? I was just going to say that it seemed like the Glenn Kirshner and Deborah Sines, who were assigned to the case, that they knew, I mean, they believed that he was guilty, but they just couldn't make a case against him, even though they knew that his you know, his previous wife had suffered horrific abuse. And I just don't understand why they couldn't pull the strings well, earlier, you know, than right, many, right. many years later. Right. So, yeah, for our listeners, uh, obviously, if you haven't seen the series, this case actually drags on for decades. It's a very, very long drawn out case. But the point is that if those investigators had had the benefit of 
knowing that there are there's a body of work in this country uh, for no body homicide prosecutions and that there are definitive ways in many states, not in every state, but in many states to prosecute somebody for murder, mm. even without the body. Mm. And unfortunately, because of the lack of a body, this case basically languished. And some of that is an underlying bias on the part of investigators. If this was a soccer mom in, in the middle of Beverly Hills, I don't think it would have been treated the same way. Mm. I think that there was an assumption that, well, she could have run off. So we don't really have to treat this as a homicide, even though her family, which was very close to her, absolutely said something is grievously wrong here. And yet they they were sort of put off for a very long time. Well, they knew Pam was a go-getter and she didn't just disappear. So again, you're layering in more and more detail that says that there's foul play here. And what we see in the docuseries is a detective called Mike Fulton take on the case. Now, he's nicknamed White Mike and everyone heralds him as a very good detective. And we hear him asking all the right questions. So he gets a big thumbs up from me that he's asking questions about Rodriguez Cruz about his background. And he finds out, oh, hang on a minute, his first wife went missing. Well, that's interesting. Marta, she's reported missing. I wonder what happened to her. So then he starts to do some more digging and finds out that she went missing, having made an allegation of domestic abuse. And actually, Cruz had been arrested and charged with assaulting her. And right before the court date, she disappears. So we have two women who have suddenly evaporated into thin air. And as I always say, women don't just disappear into thin air and certainly women with children that they care very much about. And Marta had a little boy. She was a very loving mum. They don't just disappear. So again, he starts asking questions and finds out that actually someone had purported to be Marta when a police officer asked questions um, going back in time about Marta. And the detective or the police officer never actually met with this person. Just this person said that I'm martyr and I just needed to check out of life and I'm okay. And the police officer never checked that it was martyr and just wrote it off that it was her. Right. So again, we have very clear learning opportunities here that always check, always corroborate that the person you're talking with and you really should go and meet them is who they say they are. Right. Really worrying behavior that that wasn't checked and corroborated. And that young boy, Hansel, grew up with a very violent father who abused him, threw him down the stairs, committed horrific acts of abuse on him. And as we know, domestic abuse and child abuse co-occur in houses. They co-occur amongst family members. So if mum is being abused, the chances are the child is being abused and vice versa. And I found his account just very harrowing, actually, to listen to. And Hansel was nine years old when he heard Cruz's second wife, Maria, begging for her life at gunpoint. And he was absolutely terrified and ran to his room. And a child hearing that, witnessing that, that's a very clear message to the child, isn't it, in terms of how you behave? And quite rightly so. His father was terrifying and he understood that mum disappeared. And even though he kept asking, where's mummy? He was told that she had abandoned him. 
And I've worked cases like this. And I have to say for the children, it is hugely psychologically conflicting growing up, feeling abandoned and rejected and coming to terms with that, but also feeling anger towards your mum for rejecting you and then finding out that you weren't rejected at all. It's a very conflicting psychology that a child has to live with. So he is also a victim in all of this and an unnecessary victim, actually, but he became key in the case. Right. And I think, as you alluded to earlier, this second murder would never have happened had they done their job in the first instance, had they not treated this as a woman who just ran away. I mean, you have to be absolutely certain that that's the situation before you let an investigation go. You can't just say, okay, well, it's a possibility that that's what's happened. So I'm not going to treat it as a murder. When there was an allegation of domestic violence, she was scheduled to appear and she disappeared and left her son. It makes no sense. So yeah, we have to take it as a learning experience. We have to understand that, look, There are some families that aren't as tight as other families, but in each case, no matter what the situation is, you have to look at the circumstances. You have to look through the smoke that the offender is putting up, the smoke screen, and you have to make sure that you investigate and fully like, you know, that that boy was an amazing witness. Was he even interviewed back then? about what was going on with his mother and his father. It's just a shame that not only did he suffer and his mother suffer, but then Pam Butler also suffered. Another woman in between. He was a serial perpetrator. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. (laughs) 
men like Cruz do it and behave like this to woman after woman after woman. And it was really after the next woman that Hansel decided that he was going to find the courage to speak up. And that takes real guts to do that, to stand up to someone who you've been fearful of and who you have real reason to be fearful of. So we know that it takes a woman seven times to safely leave the abuser. And unfortunately, there are two women here who didn't leave safely, who even with Pamela, she may have tried to leave. And that might have been the reason why he killed her. He certainly seemed to be someone he came across as quite a a vengeful individual. The, The psychopath eyes, the ice cube eyes, the no feeling, no emotion and to behave that way to your child. So this case plays out across all the episodes. And I found it deeply disturbing. And as Jim said, and I would always say, this is about homicide prevention. It's about taking things seriously when they're reported. And it's ensuring that when victims of domestic violence report, that's at huge cost, particularly if they are a woman of colour. It's at huge cost because they don't tend to reach out to law enforcement because they don't trust law enforcement, because they tend to stay quiet and feel that it's a private matter that they have to sort out themselves. So there's lots of reasons why somebody doesn't report. But the lessons are the same in this case. And actually, Tamika's case as well, who we hear about, Tamika Houston, who was last seen on May 2004. And so some of these key points that the docuseries make actually are made in stereo and made a number of times through different cases. And Jim, you nicely referenced learning opportunities. We talk about cases to ensure that there are learning opportunities for everybody that listens. That's the point. For me, I do get frustrated because these same lessons repeat. So where do we get to the tipping point where the lessons are actually learned and they're put into practice and we start to see change happening. And that's why for me in in Kennedy's case, where you've got a black police officer who's saying, not on my watch will someone die. And when I see red flags, I'm going to make sure it's clear. They're the sorts of officers that we need, really ensuring that people are doing their jobs and taking reports seriously. Absolutely. And I think in this case, fortunately, And Officer Mike decided that he was going to dive in and he wasn't going to let it go. He was able to put together a case. They were able to locate the body of Marta, Jose's first wife that he murdered. And so that was enough to actually move this case from two cold cases, potentially three cold cases, that, that were not being addressed to actually get a plea of guilty from Jose. And he was given a lighter sentence in exchange for pointing out where he put the body of Marta. Unfortunately, Pam's body was never recovered. If I'm not mistaken, it was because there was a major highway construction project that went on that that would have put hundreds of, of cubic yards of dirt above the area where Jose actually left her body. Her body wasn't recovered. And I think, again, it's interesting that to me that he seemed to know what he was doing. The fact that he cleaned up, the fact that he took her body to another location and the fact that she was never found. I mean, again, he's not massively criminally sophisticated, but the point was that he was thinking about all of those things. And therefore, 
I think he probably has done this before. And if we think that in 2009, that's how he was behaving. Well, we know about Marta, but was there anybody else in between? We know that there are were other relationships that he, and he was violent in those relationships. It just raises that question for me and that the docuseries didn't really answer that. That's right. still outstanding for me. How dangerous was he? He certainly seemed to be a career criminal. Um, what else was he doing? And that's why I always say you've got to problem solve these perpetrators. You've got to look at them as potential criminals and you've got to understand that how they operate is on power and control and fear and you've really got to problem solve them and think about how you're going to understand who they are and what they're doing and if you can't get them for one thing you get them for something else but the important thing is he just disappeared two women and no questions were asked about that that's really frightening it is but fortunately uh, he was brought to justice may not have been full justice, but at least there was some movement in that direction. And at least the families got to see him arrested and convicted for the murder of their loved one. How moving was it to watch Derek be able to do that after so long? And even to have um, Detective Mike be able to call him and say that he, in his words, he locked his mother bleeping ass up. I mean, yeah. it doesn't bring Pam back, but at least finally there was some kind of movement, something. Yeah, he did a great job. I, I yeah. actually felt that Mike was very authentic, the detective. And I really liked how humble he was and his humility mm -hmm. and the fact that he said, you know, I was kind of nervous speaking to Derek because Derek had been on the TV. I like the fact that he showed that vulnerability and, you know, was prepared to look at things differently and said, well, I kept calling Derek up all the time. He probably thought I was a bit of a pain, but I had to keep calling him asking questions. And I was just cheering yeah. because yeah. that's exactly what you should do. And I'm just glad that he said all of that on camera. I think it's really powerful and all power to him. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa, I think it was amazing that Derek got to actually participate in that process and approve the deal that they made with the offender so that they could actually charge him and convict him and 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 put him away. So it, it was just so great to see that because you could see when you look at Derek, how he carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he seems like such a caring man. He was a volunteer for Black and Missing, and he's done such good work getting the word out in other cases. It was so gratifying to see that he actually got some resolution in his sister's case. So we're going to continue our discussion of the HBO Max series black and missing on our next episode of real crime profile until then signing off if you like deeper analysis like this episode on topics like making a murderer mind hunter escape at danamora the case of sally challen the teacher's pet lynette dawson the exonerated five and when they see us and the disappearance of madeline mccann you can listen to rcp on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher whatever platform you listen to us on. And please be sure, if you like what we do, to give us a five-star review. Thank you for listening to Real Crime Profile. Real Crime Profile is produced and edited by Paul Francis Sullivan. Sound engineering by Mike Thal. 
Music is composed by Simba Tsumba. Logo art by Jim Clementi. Real Crime Profile is produced by XG Productions and distributed by Wondery. For advice and support if you're experiencing stalking in the UK, you can contact Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service on 0203 866 4107 or you can go to the website where there's a lot of information and advice that you can follow on www.paladinservice.co.uk. If you're experiencing domestic abuse, you can call the National Domestic Violence Helpline for free on 0800-2000-247. In the US, if you're experiencing domestic abuse and need advice, shelter or counselling, you can call Genesis, the 24-hour hotline, on 214-946-4357. You can also go to their website for further advice or support, www.genesisshelter.org. And there's the Domestic Violence Hotline on 800-799-7233. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Real Crime Profile ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.